Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi, and welcome to the Robots Podcast. I am Jana, and today we will hear about an exciting new initiative that seeks to make robotics accessible to everyone. Ever used a ready-made kit to build a robot? Ever got frustrated that you couldn't quite make it do what you wanted? Or annoyed that you had to get all the parts from the same manufacturer? Well, there may now be a solution, simply called the Open Academic Robot Kit. This kit makes use of the flexibility of 3D printing, increasingly readily available components, cutting-edge robotic software and the imagination of the open-source community. It allows anyone, and we mean anyone, with a bit of time and enthusiasm to get creative and start building robots. Dr Raymond Shea is a senior lecturer at the Department of Computing at Curtin University. In his work, he focuses on artificial intelligence, robotics and cybersecurity. But he also leads the Open Academic Robot Kit initiative. Our interviewer Ron spoke to Dr. Shea to find out more about the kit, the idea behind it and his plans for the future. Hi, good afternoon. Raymond, can I get you to first introduce yourself to the podcast listeners? Hi, so my name is Raymond Shea. I'm a senior lecturer here at the Department of Computing at Curtin University. Um, I have also recently started the Intelligent Robots Group uh, with the aim of doing research into intelligent robots that can not only perform their tasks, but also can um, explain what they're doing and, uh, and, and inform us. Great. I've heard so much about the RoboCup Rescue Confined Space Challenge. Is that's something that you can quickly describe to us. Sure. So prior to coming to Curtin, um, I worked with the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology uh, on a project to develop standard ways for testing response robots, that is, robots being used by bomb squads, search and rescue, hazardous materials, and so on. Um, the outreach, one of the outreach activities of this project was the uh, RoboCup Rescue Robot League competition. This is a robotics competition, an international one, for robots that tackle this very problem. That is, robots going into places where humans don't want to go in order to perform tasks and uh, discover information. Um, in fact, the, uh, the robots that have participated in this competition have already been quite useful out in the field. You might recall um, the robots that made it to the top of the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant in order to uh, inspect the equipment and see what was still uh, there when they were trying to do the, the, the safe, um, to, to trying to make that area safe. The robots that actually made it to the top were actually robots that came out of the RoboCup Rescue Robot League competition and were then repurposed for that task. The RoboCup Rescue Confined Space Challenge, which we are leading um, here, is, the, is, is our way of bringing these real research challenges, these, this research competition, within reach of high schools and enthusiasts. We are taking um, these tasks, which traditionally have required you know, fairly decently equipped universities with uh, correspondingly um, large budgets. And we're, simp we're not simplifying it, but we're tackling it at a smaller scale, at a scale that is possible for high schools to tackle. Um, in concert with this, we are also developing the Open Academic Robot Kit. This is a family of robot designs where 
all of the mechanical parts are 3D printable on a low-cost printer. That is a printer costing less than $1,000. All of the other parts are available off the shelf or by mail order anywhere in the world. And all of the designs, instructions, and source code are available in easily editable form under an open source license. The idea is, is that anyone anywhere in the world can download all of the information. They can reproduce the base design for this robot. They can use the competition as an application to inspire their own development and their own research. And then they can contribute their developments back to the international community so everyone can build on them. The, the aim is to be a catalyst, not just for this application, but for bringing interesting research-level robotics in general to the um, high school and hobbyist community. So is the uptake of participation expanding? Indeed. We actually ran the, um, the first pilot um, in the first half of this year. Uh, we had from Perth, uh, Scotch College and Christchurch Grammar, and we also had uh, a school from Canberra participate in collaboration with the University of New South Wales. And we also had a school from, from Maryland in the United States participate in collaboration with the National Institute of Standards and Technology um, at the uh, Gaithersburg campus. So we actually all um, showed up to the international competition, which was held in China this year, and um, we held some demonstrations there in the, uh, the, in the current version of the, that arena. Um, the goal is that we will have more schools participate in the second half of this year, and that next year, when the competition is being held in Leipzig in Germany, uh, we will have our first truly international competition at this scale, with high schools tackling these previously only um, university-level uh, research Okay, problems. so this is kind of like a DARPA challenge? It's a little bit different to the DARPA challenge, and um, I was actually, I was actually um, involved in, um, in developing the challenges within the DARPA Robotics Challenge um, back when I was uh, working with uh, NIST. Um, the DARPA challenges were deliberately very difficult. There, there's a term called uh, DARPA hard, they were there were challenges that were designed to be um, they were designed to induce a step function improvement in capabilities. The problem with those DARPA competitions is that they require because because they're trying to induce such a um, such a disruptive improvement in capabilities. You really do require fairly significant resources to devote to this. So the DARPA competitions aim to um, improve the, these capabilities um, in, you know, very rapidly. And they use the fact that this is a very impressive competition as, as the motivator for getting people interested um, outside in the general community. We have similar goals, but we tackle it a slightly different way. We present a challenge that is within reach of an interested design and technology teacher and, uh, and, and uh, a dozen high school students. They can tackle the problems that we put in front of them. They don't just have to watch from the sidelines. They're able to participate. They're able to actually solve these challenges. And it's quite possible that they can solve the challenges in ways that are very interesting, in ways that you know, the university researchers may not have thought of. That's one of the wonderful things about this challenge is that everyone can be a researcher, everyone can be an inventor in their area of expertise. And then they can share that with the rest ah, of the world. Okay. Hence an open, open challenge. Hence the open challenge. No, which is not to say, of course, the, the DARPA Robotics Challenge was also open. 
um, they DARPA actively encourages the teams to publish their work. They encourage the teams to share their developments, and they encourage the teams to transition these developments outside. The difference is, is that DARPA is aiming for much harder problems. DARPA is aiming to solve much bigger things. Um, we are aiming to solve things that are within reach of, of an interested bunch of students. Both, of course, are very worthy goals. Um, we just tackle them at slightly different, slightly okay. different scales. So if uh, an enthusiast wanted to find out more about the Open Academic uh, Robotics Kit, obviously there's a website, etc. Indeed. Um, the website for the Open Academic Robot Kit is oarkit.org, standing for openacademicrobotkit.org. Um, we also have uh, information linked from the website of our group, that is intelligentrobots.org. Uh, what do you think the future is f uh, for robotics? Um, where do you think uh, we're going? Um... Well, I think that there are a, a few frontiers that we do need to address in robotics that arguably haven't been, haven't had the focus that they think they've deserved. Um, I'm sure that um, your listeners are very aware of um, the various high-profile cyber attacks that have been happening uh, around the place, and they're starting to attack what we call cyber-physical systems. That is, systems that have a you know, computer systems that have an impact in the real world. Electricity grids are one of them, but robots, automated buildings, and the like are another. Security of these robotic systems is something that has been somewhat lacking, mostly because the intersection between um, people doing robotics and people doing cybersecurity is fairly, uh, you know, hasn't, hasn't been as tight as, as would, be, would be ideal. So I think one of the big frontiers that needs to be solved is how do we make these systems secure? And certainly here at the Department of Computing, we also have a, a big focus on cybersecurity and um, we mesh very closely with their activities. The next area where there is some, where certainly I hold some concerns, is that of the engineering of the software that goes into a lot of these automated systems, these robotics, these cyber-physical systems. As these systems become ever more complicated and ever more connected and ever more modular, issues due to bugs and due to difficulty in maintaining these systems become quite significant. And the development of good software engineering practices and um, infrastructures becomes ever more important to make sure that these systems do the right thing and do what they intend to do. Um, and again, of course, software engineering is um, one of the areas that, um, that the Department of Computing here has a, has a strong focus. So I think those are... I mean, people talk about worrying about the robot apocalypse and they worry about you know, Asimov's you know, three laws and the like. I think the problem isn't going to be that the robots all of a sudden decide to um, you know, decide that humans are a, are a nuisance and, and to do away with us like they, like they seem to do in the movies. I think our bigger risk is either some ca fairly catastrophic um, bug, mistake, causes issues, or that there is a Dr. Evil somewhere who breaks into our systems and commandeers them. And the scary thing is, of course, if they do it well, if we don't have the protections in place, if we don't have the defences in place, we won't know until it's too late. So I think those are some very... So those, 
those issues are more important than questions about whether artificial intelligence systems are going to become sentient. Um, we worry more about the people who are already sentient. <laughs> what advice would you give a person interested in robotics? Would they look at a multidiscipline approach to robotics? A multidiscipline approach. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily advocate doing what I did. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do, so I did a double degree. Um, in my case, it was electronic and communications engineering and computer science here at Curtin University. Um, the that you know, even if you do your degree in a in say computer science or electronic engineering or whatever the case may be, get involved in the robotics club. Get involved in open source projects. Get involved in other activities that keep you in touch with all of these other areas. Robotics competitions are actually very good good for this, assuming that they're research competitions. They're competitions that that make you tackle a problem that hasn't been solved before, and allows you and gives you the freedom to do so in a way that exercises all of these different areas. And certainly the RoboCup Rescue Robot League is one of them. We don't care how you build the robot, you just need to solve this problem. Um, and you need good computer science because you need to be able to make sense of the world. You need good electronic engineering because you need a sense of the world and you need to have sufficient power and you need to communicate. You need good mechanical engineering because your robot has to survive. And you need good art because your robot has to be able to convey this information to a human. What are the benefits of competitions like this? Competitions like this are, I think, what cultivates the mentality, the, um, the way of thinking that, um, that is so sought after among organisations looking to improve their efficiencies and reduce their risk. Where does art fit into the equation? So, well, creativity... So problem-solving is an art. I mean, if you think about it, Problem solving is an art form, um, but but so that's sort of one one way of looking at it. When I refer to art in robotics, though, I actually refer more to um, consideration of human factors and consideration of considerate consideration of the fact that this system, be it the mechanics of it or be it the interface, the computer science of it, needs to convey meaning to a human and needs to be able to receive the human's intent. That requires an understanding of how humans behave both rationally as well as emotionally. Humans are not very good in general at separating them, even if some people claim to be. There's always something in there. And a, a, a human system interaction that is well informed from an art perspective... Um, will surely be easier for the vast majority of people to interact with than one that is that, is, that has not had that consideration. Um, so I think I'm, I think art is very important in that regard. The other aspect of it turns it on a, on its head a bit, and that is I think that art can be you know the, the field of art is. I think we're starting to get to the point where the field of art can be augmented by robotics in a very in, in a way that is accessible economically and technically for for a great many more artists one of the one of the things that i hope will happen with the open academic robot kit isn't just that it gets picked up by researchers and scientists and engineers i hope that it gets picked up by artists who will take the underlying platform they don't need to modify any of the electronics or any of the code but because everything's 3d printed they can make these devices make these robots more artistic more aesthetically appealing. They can make them 
um, you know, they can design these to elicit emotions. They can design these to you know, appear as, as different things. I think that would be a very nice thing to have happen. Um, and I think certainly that while we may not necessarily want a response robot that you know, looks like a kangaroo or looks like some creature of some sort, um, I think that having, having that kind of influence can, can only be, you know, be beneficial. I can thank you on behalf of the podcast for your time. No worries. Always a pleasure. And that's all for today. If you'd like to find out more about the Open Academic Robot Kit, check out robohub.org, where you'll also find all the latest news and developments in robotics. We'll return in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. With Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.